you're listening to Bat Books for Beginners, brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net and sponsored by the Sirius Cybernetic Corporation. Sneakily advancing your technology by five generations so that they can take over since April the 1st, 1976. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. I'm your host, Dujour Melinda, and today I have with me a gentleman and a scholar all rolled into one. I'm John. We'll be taking a look at the next four issues of Batman No Man's Land, Volume 3. As you know, these were originally released toward the end of the 2000s in their complete form and are widely available. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at Legends of the Dark Knight, number 123, written by Steve Barnes and art by Paul Ryan, Shadow of the Bat, number 91, written by Steve Barnes and art by Paul Ryan, with special thanks to Stephen Plink for martial arts choreography, Batman 571, written by Chuck Dixon, with art by Matt Broom, and Detective Comics number 738, written by Chuck Dixon, with art by Raphael Kanan. All of these issues are available for purchase as digital issues or quite cheaply on eBay or at your local comic store. So, what does No Man's Land hold for us this month? Let's find out. And do you accept this man's resignation? And do you accept the resignation of all of these liars? Of all the corrupt? Those men locked up for eight years in Blackgate and denied parole under the Dent Act. Based on a lie. Batman Legend of the Dark Knight 123 uh, opens with a car driving down a road, but it's met by a gang who want to extort money from it. However, they're stopped by an old man, a man called Hardback, and some Batman gang members. They also helped out by Batman at the end. The family leave after mentioning that they need to meet with the tub man. We then move to Hardback and a woman called Vanessa who go to a market to buy some supplies for their group. However, they don't have any of the supplies and therefore are forced to go to the Penguin to get them. Penguin agrees to supply the antibiotics that they're looking for in return for Vanessa setting up a reverse osmosis set to remove mercury from some water being fed to Penguin's birds, which is killing them. An accident where they are scavenging for supplies and jewellery to trade, however, forces them to return to Penguin. Penguin says that he can't provide supplies without being given anything in return, and they also, at the same time, ask about if there is a way out that Penguin knows. However, for Penguin to give answers and to give the supplies, he forces Hardback to fight a man called Angel, who is one of Penguin's men and a cage fighter. Hardback then begins to train with the elderly gentleman not to fear death and in numerous martial arts. In Shadow of the Bat, Hardback fights Angel and wins. So Penguin arranges for Hardback, Vanessa and the group to leave with the Tubman. However, as they leave, they are chased by the gang who attacked the family in the last issue. However, Robin arrives and prevents the gang attacking the group. They arrive at an underground railroad and they board the train. However, they are once again chased by the gang, but also this time by Angel. Meanwhile, however, Penguin realises that a lot of money could be made by a rematch between Hardback and Angel. And so they set off to try and catch Hardback. 
As this happens, hard back and angel fight. However, Penguin arrives just in time and takes out the attacking gang. But during the fight, the brake on the train is damaged, and it means that the train crashes out of the tunnel. However, by crashing out of the tunnel, it allows the kids and the families to escape, whilst Angel is arrested by the troops who were looking over the tunnel to make sure nobody escapes. And the issue ends with Hardback looking out over Gotham in a similar pose to Batman. Batman starts with Bane killing two men and sparing a woman. He uses her to take out a load of traps leading to a vault, which has a case inside it. He then heads through Gotham. Meanwhile, Penguin requests to see Batman, as somebody is setting up Two-Face, and they are forcing him to move forces from Penguin's border. Meanwhile, Bane attacks the Hall of Records in Two-Face's territory. However, before Harvey Dent can get there to prevent Bane, he is attacked himself and put on trial by a gang, but is freed by Batman and Robin. However, they are unable to prevent Bane from destroying the Hall of Records, and the issue ends with the Hall of Records being destroyed, and Batman saying that there is somebody else out there with a bigger plan. Legends of the Dark Knight 123. I found the writing in this one to be a little bit clunky, Actually, between 123 and then Shadow of the Bat 91, I found that writing to be quite clunky. There was not really a great flow to it. I mean, when um, Officer Bach, hardback, stops at the school to see Vanessa, you know, it's they make a really big point of saying, oh, and if you're an animal lover, you know, she's a hot shot bet. Well, it, that bit of exposition was just so clunky that later on when Penguin's like, I need someone to save my birds. You're like, oh, wow, I wonder who that could be. I wonder what point they're going to bring up. I I don't know really what you can expect from someone who apparently wrote for Baywatch, but I found it just just not great. I did like the story itself. Um, I loved Alfonso's character, loved that, you know, in the end, he was like, I'm not going to teach you how to beat him. I'm going to teach you how to die. Because that was probably the reality of the situation that he was being faced with. He knew he wasn't, he, he shouldn't have come out of it. He knew he was going to die, and he was trying to prepare himself for that more than anything else. I actually am going to disagree with you. I really quite enjoyed the writing in this. I didn't find it clunky or... Obviously, yes, there was a bit of uh, convenient plot points, but frankly, it's Batman. There are always going to be convenient moments where he goes, aha, but what I have is either a gadget or what you don't know that I've known for the entire thing is that, you know, Dave does this or something like that. So personally, I didn't actually have too much of a problem when it turned out that... If, you know, penguins, animals were dying and she happened to be a a big shot vet. To me, it kind of read like kind of just necessary information and in that she was available and that, yeah, she was a very good veterinarian and that was a bit of exposition. And to be honest, the mercury would build up in in the, in the water supply, especially if pipes and things are broken and things like that. 
So, you know, it's not something that I felt was completely out of left field. I mean, if they'd have gone, oh, well, you know, Penguin has a tiger and its legs fallen off, I'd have been like, well, that's really kind of out there and very left field. But I felt really that her place in the story felt kind of quite natural. I think this idea of the tub man, I'm... I'm not too sure how much I like that element um, and this idea that he's presumably got a way out of the the tunnels um, and that nobody else kind of knows about it. I kind of can't help but think, well, if Batman does know that there's a way out of the tunnel, why is he kind of telling his gang and getting them out of there and his group of people because he obviously we see that he does care about them you know he turns up at the fight and he sends Robin to keep an eye on them as they're making their way out in the later issue but I'm not too entirely sure how I feel about his characterization I do agree I did like the Alfonso the the old um, martial arts expert he seems very, very funny. He's very kind of... He's always... Almost reminds me of, in a, in a very stereotypical way, Mr. Miyagi. From, I was just going to say that. Or Splinter from the Teenage Mutant yes, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's that kind of, of characterization. And it was quite nice to have the little training regime. And in my head, you know, there was, there was Eye of the Tiger going on in the background or, you know, that kind of thing. So... I, you know, I didn't think it was it was that bad. I thought that the the artwork was really nice as well. Actually, I really liked it. Um, the artist Paul C. Ryan is, you know, I think a very talented artist, and you know, I quite liked how he made Gotham look, and he made it very grimy and dirty, and you know, I thought it was a very enjoyable issue. To be clear, I'm I'm not talking about the plot point of her being a vet being one of convenience because that happens all the time. That's fine, whatever. Just the way it was brought up, almost as it like these two issues were so heavy on internal monologue. It's almost like he didn't really know how to write dialogue for these characters because all it would have taken was, you know, Bach coming in and asking how things are going and her saying, Well, it's a far cry from stitching up dogs, but this is what people need right now. Like, I think there are just more elegant ways to do it than, oh, she's an animal lover and a hotshot vet and blah, blah. Like, that to me was what felt really off and not well done. But I, I definitely agree with you in the art. The more that I have been reading issues that are older, the less that style kind of is off-putting to me. Um, and these were two issues that were quite well done. Like you said, he, the artist Paul did a really, really great job of of portraying the city in ruin and making sure that you you felt the immediacy and the urgency of every situation. So and that that's not easy to convey through still art. So good job to him for that. Picking, just picking up your point on the monologue, it is very monologue heavy. But at the same time I kind of felt like we were you know, this is very much through the eyes of hardback. And the feeling that I got was actually it was very much as if we'd come across perhaps a bit of a diary or, uh, you know, one of those newspaper articles where 
that person writes about their experiences in, say, Iraq or something like that. And I've, I've, that's the way that I felt that it was going. And I mean, the writer, Steve Barnes, it produces a lot of novels. So I think that really kind of came through. And that's really why it was so monologue heavy. And personally, I quite liked that. I felt it made a real departure from what we've we've had before where it's been very you know in the last issue with with the characters when they were doing with the the chinese gang and things like that that was very word heavy and unnecessarily word heavy and i think actually this got the balance quite right personally yes as compared to that last issue this has a much better balance of dialogue to to pages first of all this doesn't have one word per action block. So th- that, yes, definitely better. I would be curious to read some of the novels he's produced then because this to me, the writing doesn't feel like it fits the comic book. It fits the story he is trying to tell, but I'm not sure that the story he's trying to tell fits with a comic book, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't, but that's okay. Anyway. Yes, it does make sense. For art, I will give this a four out of five batarangs. For writing, per my previous points, I'm going to give it a three out of five batarangs for three and a half out of five batarangs overall. For art, I am going to give this four and a half batarangs. And for writing, I'm also going to give it four and a half out of five batarangs. Four out of five batarangs. So, Shadow of the Bat 91. I did enjoy this issue a lot more than I enjoyed Legends of the Dark Knight 123. I, to me, the writing really did pick up a lot more in this. Uh, I enjoyed the fight between Hardback and Angel. Uh, and I don't know if that's maybe because we had Stephen Plink as a martial arts choreographer, which still kind of amuses me that that happened in a comic. But I, whatever it was, whatever the difference was, it worked. I liked the Tubman aspect of this plot for whatever reason and I cannot remember where I got this idea from I always thought that there was no way out of no man's land not that people were guarding the ways in and out so I was under the impression that you just could not leave so to find out that no you could leave but you would be arrested for um, breaking a quarantine that was something like that introduced a new element to me reading this story but I liked the idea that there was this way out of Gotham that, you know, Batman, in all reality, probably does know about. Whether or not he's told anyone, that's that's another thing. But I think he probably does know about it because we know that people have been getting out. We know that people have been getting things in, and it's just one way that we know. And I think above all else, Batman is really about keeping the peace right now. I mean, He doesn't want anything that would start a riot and something like a way to get out of the city. All that would end up happening there is someone would take over the entrance of that. And guess what? Now you're paying whatever you can, however much you can to try to get out. Someone is going to set up essentially a velvet rope across that. No different than with any other thing that is happening that is useful in no man's land, people are going to take advantage of it. I must admit, I I hadn't really thought about that when I made those points. I'm still not entirely convinced. I think even if 
okay, yes, they do, you know, they do at the end say, well, these people are arrested for breaking quarantine and things like that and, and take them away. I think that, you know, especially considering there are still some children in there, I think Batman could have made an effort perhaps with them to kind of get them out just to really pick a, 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 a minor plot hole, I think, really. You know, I know that they kind of explain it away as saying, well, this was a, yeah, you know, he's, he's the kind of the only one and a curator of a, you know, a real museum of oddity. And, you know, it's like those, you, you, I mean, you have them in America and you have them in Britain here where you have a very odd museum and you think to yourself, I'm not entirely sure how that gets any money. For example, we have a museum of pencils over here in the UK, and also a museum of lawnmowers. And I kind of understand that, you know, and it, the people left in Gotham fall into that stereotype that, you know, probably wouldn't go to a museum and certainly wouldn't know about a minor one. Um, from what we could tell, obviously, nobody in Gotham knows about it. I did have a bit of an issue with that that line of the plot, if you will. I'm pretty sure that a train engine with no brakes crashing into a planked over tunnel exit is going to win. And yet, like, there was no explosion. There was nothing. Nothing nothing really bad even happened. Everybody seemed to be just fine. Yeah, it seems to kind of just stop very gently at the end and come out and just create a nice little poof of smoke. Yeah, I mean, I know they cut it. That they that that um that they managed to cut the engine off it um and send it on, but you would have thought that it kind of would have done more damage. It certainly would have derailed itself, and it doesn't seem to have done that much damage. But again, I think that's kind of um to an extent a minor irritant because the rest of it I think is so is really well drawn art-wise. The fight scenes, especially between Hardback and Angel, definitely, definitely, definitely benefited from having Steve Plunk as the, you know, helping to choreograph it and saying, well, this is what this, you know, that's what would happen, this is what would happen next. You know, it had a real brutality to it um, and in all the fight scenes. And I think that, that really came off, to be honest. I think the only... Writing-wise, the only plot hole I would pick up on is the gang. I kind of don't see really what they're doing there or what the point of them is, aside from giving a bit more action happening through the episode. I think it would have been much nicer if we would had Angel, you know, Robin provides the, the cover for it for a little bit and then leaves um, as they get to safety and then Angel turns up and it's really between Hardback and Angel but you know I think for again it's a minor plot inconvenience that for what is a very well written issue that I can completely overlook that's fair so art wise because this had the same creative team on it, it did flow really well from the last issue. 
Uh, you had that same look to things. I thought the old station, when they showed it, was very beautifully illustrated. It looked like something that you would have seen out of the 20s. So definitely kudos to that one. So for this issue, I will give the writing a bit higher. I will give it a four out of five batarangs. And for the art, I will stick with four out of five batarangs for four out of five batarangs overall. So I thought that the art was was really good. Um especially like the brutality of the the fight. One thing we didn't mention is the, the end scene where Hodback is looking out over the city and it's a very, you have a very Batman-esque pose with his trench coat sort of flapping in the wind, stood on the gargoyles. And I really, really like that scene. I thought it was a really good way to end the issue. Uh, so therefore, I'm in fact actually going to put it up and I'm going to give it a five out of five Batarangs for the artwork. The writing, I thought, was, again, very good. We've got some nice, you know, for both stories, we've had some nice characterization. I've got characters that I care about in both issues and all the way through, and I don't think that's dropped. I think the gang is a minor, you know, there's a couple of minor plot inconveniences and inconsistencies, but to be honest, because it's been so well written, you look past that immediately and it, it just doesn't bother me at all. So I am going to give this, again, 4.5 out of 5 Batarangs, which means that it gets a total of... So it gives it 4.5 out of 5 Batarangs. 571. Now, I railed really hard when Bane got brought into this because my opinion was really another villain do we not have anything better to do with our time and i really did not like bane's i i i can't put my finger on it but i don't know why i didn't like this issue as much i'm not a huge fan of when writers try to in, inject dialect into text because i feel like it comes off pretty racist and i kind of felt like that with this issue that being said, the writing for Bane's character, I just love the amount of swagger he has. Just the, the complete and utter, this is what I'm doing because this suits my ends, my end goal. So I really did enjoy that part of the writing. This one, because I know these next, these two issues feed into another plot line, I always find a little bit frustrating because I would prefer to see it done as a six issue arc rather than a two-story two-story arc that you know you're going to get resolution to, but you don't quite know when. I thought that the writing and the characterization for Bane for saying, you know, I left you alive because you presented me the least amount of threat. You know, a lot of people would pick that apart as a weak statement, but it's really not. That is, that is displaying of the intelligence that we know Bane has. So it's, I, I really liked that uh, Chuck Dixon chose to phrase it that way rather than rather than phrase it some way else and maybe lose some of the impact. When and I've said it a number of times on other Bat Books for Beginner podcasts that I've done. When Chuck Dixon is good, he's very very good, and when he's bad, he's awful. And for me, this was it wasn't awful but it was close to. The fact that I was able to sum up what happened in two issues in 
in two paragraphs shows really how little happens in this storyline. It, I don't know whether it's because it is a plot point that will come back later, or whether this was, as has happened a couple of times, filler. I don't know. And I, I just got bored. And I thought, that's not, anything's happening. And it's not because there's awful characterization or because the characters are particularly anything offensive. But as I said, just, what happens? Nothing. Nothing in the entire issue happens at all, aside from Bane going and picking up his luggage, as far as I could tell. And and that was it. And it's... It's disappointing. And I don't expect massive, you know, great plot lines and plot twists and stories, but from Chuck Dixon, I kind of expect better. And I just... I didn't get that. The art was okay. I didn't feel like there was anything really to write about. Sometimes there were weird bits of shadowing on people's faces. So everybody looked either really, really tired or really pervy. And there didn't kind of seem to be anything in between. And and a lot of the characters were just over-muscled and over overdone, particularly Harvey Dent I thought just looked I mean the guy seems to be the size of Killer Croc in this issue he's huge and it just seemed a bit ridiculous and to be honest I'm not that surprised considering that the the artist Matt Broom worked on Stormwatch which you know is incredibly famous for it's very very over the top artwork and art stylings and I just wasn't overtly impressed by the issue at all I almost wonder just because it seems to come up whenever we review anything with Bane in it if artists unconsciously draw everyone else more muscled when he shows up because they can't reconcile in their minds that he is supposed to be this hulking brute even compared to everybody who is already a hulking brute because yeah. it, it seems to me that they, they, these characters that we have seen drawn well other times, even by the same artists sometimes, all of a sudden have muscles that don't exist, like that phys- physiologically do not exist. They all of a sudden have them just because Bane's in the room. Yeah, oh, I would completely agree. It's almost as if you need one artist to draw Bane and one artist to draw everyone else. Yeah, uh, I do agree with you in that not a whole lot happened. A good issue I will I will take a lot of time to read and sometimes I'll flip back a few pages to make sure oh okay, yeah, I didn't miss that point or this, that or the other thing. Batman 571 and Detective Comics 738 I really didn't. They didn't make me want to go back to make sure I hadn't missed anything because I felt extremely confident that there was nothing to miss there. Um, You have him encountering three thugs, killing two of them, 
and using one of them as a human shield. But why? Really, as big as you are, Bane, are you really afraid of being shot with an arrow? Of any of these traps that supposedly exist? Why? Do you, like, we've seen you get shot. We've seen you have all these terrible things happen to you. You laugh them off. It's all, she was, like, I don't, I can't even remember her name if it was mentioned. But she was brought in strictly for him to have someone to, to peacock in front of, for lack of a better phrase. So that we, the readers, would know what he was thinking and what was going on. For writing, because there were certain aspects I liked, for example, I really did like, I did like some of the characterization, and particularly when you said I didn't kill you because you presented the least threat. Um, I will go with two and a half batterings for the writing, for the art, because I was not as offended by it, John was. Uh, I'll go three out of five for three out of five batterings overall for the issue. I'm, in fact, going to reverse. Because the story, nothing happened, but it wasn't terrible and it wasn't obnoxious and it really, it wasn't offensive. It's just that it was very boring. I'm going to give the writing three out of five batarangs. And for the artwork, which just seemed oversized, really lazy, I couldn't work out whether people were tired or whether the Penguin's gangsters found him particularly attractive. It didn't seem to make any kind of sense to me. I'm going to go with two out of five batarangs, which gives it a total of 2.5 out of 5 Batarangs. So, Detective Comics 738. Here we get some resolution to Batman 571, which is nice, but it's really only a temporary resolution because we end with the Bane is not working alone, and I have a feeling whoever his boss is is about to step into the light. You know, so we end on that cliffhanger, and... Again, that would be fine if I knew for sure that I was going to get something in that next issue. But I, I'm i not 100% sure I am. And with the way that they keep throwing filler issues at us, my concern would my concern is that I will lose that plot thread by the time it comes up again. Or it would be if I hadn't you know, read this before. So I... As much as I liked all of the threads coming together in that final issue, and I loved anonymous female henchman whose name I can't remember, covering her ears, you know, saying, please let Bane die, please let Bane die, please let Bane die, just so she can get out of this situation. I don't feel that this was overly... This was... The story in these two issues really could have been combined into one. This could have been a one-and-done issue, so it does feel like it drags a bit, especially the trial of Harvey Dent, which doesn't really seem to be a trial. And I get that that's a common theme in Gotham with trials that involve Harvey Dent. But, you know, they string him up. He makes some puns about twos. 
sort of gets rescued, sort of doesn't. I found that that scene probably could have benefited from a fight choreographer because I I was never really clear if Harvey Dent was going to be strung up or not. So I I did not care for this issue as much, even though this was the conclusion. This was where we were supposed to get all of that closure from. And as much as we did, it felt like we didn't because they did the cheap cliffhanger ending. Yeah, I think the whole cheap cliffhanger ending didn't really work. I don't get why they've why Bane has blown up the Hall of Records. What vaguely important thing could be in there? Uh, <laughs> I mean, aside from maybe he just wants to make some poor temp who's now got to come in and reconstruct all the records that were in the office. It's life a nightmare for a little bit. I don't. I, I don't know. I can't work out whether this is, whether there is some kind of massive master plot, or if this is Bane just being petty. Again, it kind of this issue suffers once again from what the previous issue is. I don't think anything happened, or if things did happen, I just, I wasn't, I didn't really care. I don't quite get. I mean, I suppose there's probably the logical reason that the gang put uh, put. Harvey Dent on trial and say oh well he's all guilty and guilty is because obviously presumably these people have been put away by Harvey when he was his chief prosecutor oh I, this one I do know uh, because Bane was framing Two-Face for a bunch of things he he had framed him for murdering a bunch of gangbangers and they were like you know you've murdered our brothers blah 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 we're putting you on trial guess what you're guilty so, now you've got that answer. Oh, okay. It's still a confusing scene. Yeah. I'd, well, I've obviously, in my sheer boredom, missed that plot point. Um, and, yeah, it's just, I mean, even with the explanation, I'm struggling to care. I think that's the most disappointing thing about this issue, is that I just... There's nothing there. It's not so bad or so vile that I could get angry at it and be like, well, why have they written this issue? What possible point was there to writing this? And it's not good enough that I can get, you know, carried away like the previous stories were. It's just tedious. And I just... Nothing happens that I feel was vaguely important that I should pay attention to and that's it. That's all I really can say about the issue. And the the artwork is has improved because Bane still retains his muscles and everybody else looks normal size around him and we finally get rid of the giant Harvey Dent as well, which is quite nice. Um, and I thought, you know, a lot of the action scenes were actually okay they were a bit confusing at times but i didn't particularly have any real issues with that at all i thought it was it was nice i to me it kind of almost felt like bringing bane in before like bringing him in before felt cheap like oh we're just gonna throw every batman villain in now it kind of feels lazy could you not 
Like, was there not someone already on the inside that would have done this? That you could have, that you could have had whoever this mysterious person that Bane is working for. Like, I'm a hundred percent sure you could have found another Batman rogue without having to bring in Bane again. And maybe it's just because I feel like he's over overexposed right now. Like we've seen an awful lot of him lately that I'm feeling like this, but I I do honestly wish they could have come up with someone else or some other way to achieve whatever the end goal is of this boss. Yeah. I I think they easily could have. So I definitely agree with John. The art is a lot more in proportion. This issue, Raphael does a much, much better job of, portraying things and it could be because maybe he's you know he's got more light scenarios to work with where you can actually see things um but it still just seems like he does a better job and i don't know despite my criticisms of this issue i think i enjoyed this one a touch more than i enjoyed the last one so i will give it three out of five batarangs on no, I'll give it a four out of five batarangs on art and a three out of five batarangs on writing for an average of three and a half out of five batarangs. I, as I've probably made quite clear, found this issue pointless and it just didn't interest me. And I can't lie, I don't really care where this plot point goes. So I'm going to give this two out of five for the writing as I said I really like Chuck Dixon and when he's on form and when he's writing really well I think he is a fantastic writer and as I said numerous times he is certainly in the top four great Batman writers if not number one but when he writes badly he really writes badly Art-wise, I thought this was a step up. It it did get better. We lost the oversized uh, Harvey Dent and weird, tired, stroke, pervy gang members, which was always nice. And probably, yeah, you know, it it did help that this was all done during the day and it was a bit more action-packed. But I still think a good artist can work in night, shadow, darkness, or in day, light, colour schemes and things like that. So I'm going to give the art three out of five batarangs, which will give it a total of 2.5 out of five batarangs for the entire issue. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the issues. Uh, If you have thoughts and opinions that burn like the acid on Harvey Dent's face. If you think that we're way out to lunch on something we said, maybe these were your four favorite issues of the entire run, please feel free to leave us a comment on the lovely BatmanUniverse.net website. Next episode, John, what are we going to be covering? So in the next episode, we're going to do the final five issues of Batman No Man's Land Volume 3, and then we will be on to the last volume of No Man's Land and then we will have gone through the entire saga 
So next episode, we are going to be covering Batman Legends of the Dark Knight 1, 2, 4. We will also be covering uh, Shadow of the Bat 92, No Man's Land Secret Files Batman number 1, and Robin 71 and 72. So do go and pick those up in some format or join us so you know what we're talking about. I've been your host, Melinda, and I have been joined by... This is John. All right. We'll holla at you next month. Bye, everyone. Bye.